Well, I'd just like to say that today's guest is the legendary in the Midlands, the legendary Rachel Liggett. Rachel, just say hello. Let's get let's say, let's hello. just hear your voice. Hello, everybody. Come on, a bit close to the microphone. I'll pull it to you. That'll Shall I pull it to me? That will okay. be the best thing. So. Is that better? <clears throat> That's perfection. Oh, good. Absolute perfection. So, <laughs> just to warm you up, well, you've bought some records that we're going to play that you've chosen as well. So, I have. So, what's the first track? The first track is called Happier Than the Morning Sun. And who's that by? That is by Stevie Wonder. And what significance does that have to you? (laughs) Well, I think there's some... (laughs) It makes you laugh. Yeah, I think there's some irony in this, because this morning I was actually not happier than the morning sun. And why was that? um, I don't know, just got up in a bit of a funny mood. And you were crying? I was crying. (laughs) I'll tell you you what, once we've played the record, we'll delve into that a little bit deeper. (laughs) Great. (laughs) (laughs) So this is Stevie Wonder. Are you a big Stevie Wonder fan? I'm a big Stevie Wonder fan. Um, I think he's had a few dodgy hits. Mm -hmm. I can name a few, but kind of the 60s stuff. Mm. Absolutely. The 60s stuff. The late 60s. Oh, that's the bad stuff. It's the 70s stuff. Yeah, 70s is good too. But this particular track, I think it was made around um, 1968, 1967. And I must say, you don't look that old. It was before my time, obviously. (laughs) Well, let's hear it. Well, we've got Rachel Lickett here. He's going to uh, tell us how to put the world to rights, hopefully. That's my plan anyway for her. So that was happier than the morning sun, then the morning sun. Uh, Why should everyone be happy? Oh, no! You just pulled that one out of the bag, haven't you? Um, Yeah, is there a reason not to be happy? Mm, By and large, yes. Yes, there is many reasons not to be happy. Mm. But I think there's a case for striving towards Mm -hmm. it. So what what do you do to make people happy? What do I do? Um. (laughs) It it does cut out if you're silent for too long. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think... Yeah, I kind of, I look at people. (laughs) What do I do? I look at people. I want to relate to people. And does that make you happy? Yeah, absolutely, definitely, yeah. Why? Because usually they're the people that let us down, that cause the unhappiness. Yeah, do you know what? I guess I'm quite persistent. Mm. I kind of, I'm searching for a response Mm. and I'm searching for a connection with somebody Mm. and I want them to relate to me. And that might be about my ego, but I want to relate to them, really. So I think it's about... Is that everyone, or do you you discriminate? And I mean that in a good way. Um, Yeah, I guess on some level, whether it's subconscious or not. Mm. Yeah, we we discriminate. Mm. I mean, I think when you're working with visual cues, you're working with your history, you're working with where you're coming from, you know, sometimes it can be embodied in you without realising you're doing it. So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah... Maybe subconsciously, I try not to. <laughs> of course I try not to. Yeah, to. To discriminate, generally, or it used to mean a good thing, and that you would discriminate between the good and the bad, not, not that discrimination yeah, was a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you indiscriminate in, in, in the friends you make, or are you very selective, given that you're searching and that, you, that you're saying you, you know, you're quite indiscriminate? Yeah, Because yeah. that, that opens the world to a lot of disappointment and unhappiness. Do you know what? I've probably had a lot of disappointment and happiness in the past, but I mm. think there's been kind of a process that I've gone through to actually 
yeah, I guess I've done quite a lot of work on myself, <laughs> shall we say. Um, how, and did that, how did that work manifest itself? What, what did you, you say you've done a lot of work on yourself. What did right. you do? Okay, I mean, I think there's several, several different things I've done. Mm. Um, I've had some quite difficult situations, and that could be with how I relate to pe- people or one particular person. And, and you've learned from that. Yeah, and I kind of sought out particular things, you know, kind mm. of found quite interested in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Can't practice it totally. God, I'm materialistic. <laughs> um, but something about kind of, yeah, objectifying situations, not mm. jumping straight in there, looking at the full mm-hmm. the full picture mm-hmm. rather than diving straight in there. Oh, and I've been for a bit of counselling. You've and been I've, for counselling? Yeah, I've done oh, loads of different things. And I kind of, I feel in a really good place now. And, and yeah. where did you go for counselling? I don't mean what's the address. <laughs> I mean, generally, was it a particular kind of counselling? Well, it's, it... it started off as work supervision because mm. what was happening was that my whole, I was working a lot freelance and it was very intense work and quite challenging. And it was kind of embroiled into my life. Mm. I, wasn't, I couldn't quite separate work from how I was feeling, from what I was going through. So it was kind of, it, it was started off as work supervision that then ended up actually becoming something completely different. I'm not sure whether that's good or bad or whether we should persist with that one or not. Yes, I think we should avoid that immediately. <laughs> but yeah. But would you recommend counselling? Yeah, for a time and place. I, it's certainly not anything I want to touch or need to go into now. You'll be pleased to know, <laughs> listeners. Um, I feel... So I, was it cognitive behavioural therapy or, or what? Was it just straight therapy? Yeah, straight straight therapy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but that was in my mid-twenties. Mm. And I think it's that whole Generation X thing where you're, you don't know where you are, you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're doing. And I think, um, yeah, I was pretty lost at that, that point. And you found yourself? <laughs> I'm still searching. No, um, I feel in a really good place, really, really good place. And was there a key pivotal thing that made you flip and think, I'm in a good place now? No, it's kind of creeped up on me gradually. Apart from being invited on this show, obviously. Yeah, that's totally changed my life. <laughs> I, I, I just don't know how I'm going to separate at the end. Um, yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty secure in myself. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with who I am, mm. and that's really good. Um, and I haven't got much to lose, so I don't hold back, really. What, what do you mean by you've not got much to lose? Um, I don't know. I was... God, I can't believe it. My boyfriend told me not to talk about things like this on this show today. Um, basically, I guess I was had a quite a lot of fear, mm. um, quite a lot of unconfidence. Was it was it a, a valid fear or was it a, 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 an irrational fear? I think it was irrational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. irrational. And I think um, yeah, that kind of held me back and. Mm. Yeah, fear but, and confidence. But it and, wasn't a particular thing. It was just an, in a slow evolution into this kind of confident, vibrant individual that you are now. Yeah, yeah. And I guess um, having a very diverse career where I've had to really think on my feet and work in a whole range of situations and, and travelling and, yeah, moving to Shropshire has been a really big thing that's worked very well in my favour. Mm-hmm. Um, having much more space, open space, physical space, Space to think, space, you know. So where were you before that was claustrophobic? Uh, in Leeds, pretty pretty much um, lived in inner city for a lot of years and I was living in a back-to-back. So if you don't know what a back-to-back is, it's four houses attached. You've got mm-hmm. one front door, no way to get out behind. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was it was claustrophobic. and With people from Leeds living nearby, one presumes. Yeah, yeah. That would scare me. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was burgled several times. Were you? All my CD collection. 
Yeah. But that could be a good thing because that can create a whole new musical beginning for you. That's true. It? That is true. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, uh, well, I thought that's a nice little... So, so we'll talk about why you're here, actually. It's because you do... You you work for an integrated dance company. Is that what you call integrated? Mixed? Yeah, what or inclusive. It? Inclusive? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what we call them. Let, let's not worry about that too much, but inclusive. And who are they? It's Blue Eyes Soul Dance Company, um, based in Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury. Or was it Shrewsbury? Is it I Shrewsbury? say Shrewsbury. It's very difficult, that one. I've it depends on where you're from. Oh, okay. So and, and so how long have you worked for them? Uh, about 18 months. 18? Is that all? Yeah, I'm, I'm new. You're new? Yeah, just... Yeah, just bedding into the job. And, and do you enjoy it? Completely. Why? Yeah. I knew that was going to be the follow-up <laughs> question. Um, I think the job for me right now is split in components that really work. So I've got the the kind of organising, structuring, meeting people, setting up projects, um, the concept, thinking about ideas, thinking about what we want to do. And then I've actually got the delivery, which is going out there and working with people mm-hmm. doing the dance aspect. And that's just the perfect combination right now. So how, how do you feel? Because obviously you work with disabled people. What's the difference in working with disabled people and non-disabled people? I've gone quiet again. <laughs> yeah, this is going to cut out. <laughs> yeah, stop it, Rachel. I do take time to think. Um, that's a good thing. Yeah. God, I've never. Do you know? I've, there is. There must be differences, but well, I think they're both useless, personally. Yeah. And it's like getting blood out of a stone. From right? Can doing I just whack it. something at you from across the table? <laughs> um, I think there is methods and strategies you use mm. in all the different contexts that you work. Mm. Um, You're not counselling me here, are you? No. Or should we start? <laughs> um, and I think those strategies and methods or philosophies that you take into those spaces mm. are what what you find you Mm. find a way in i mean a lot of our workshops involve people disabled and non-disabled that have never met before that Mm. are coming into this space and you know for some of the non-disabled students they've never worked with disabled students and vice versa Mm. so we're trying to find all of us together that dialogue that initial meeting point that way of working and um you know things happen you don't expect and and that can that could be give us an example Oh no! <laughs> um, oh. I don't need names and addresses. Yeah, again. again. Just an um, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, where th- where things don't work, or people don't get on, or they don't find that meeting point, or when this incredible magic moment just kind of occurs in the space, and then you've got something totally different. So, is it happening. by and large a positive, transforming experience for you, or is it by and large a disappointment? Oh, totally the transform the transforming experience. Mm. But I tell you, it's a, it's a tough journey. Mm. There's a lot of... For you or for them? Uh, I think at times for all of us, but, I mean, it, it involves problem solving. It, pro- it involves finding ways together. It, it involves really thinking about the processes that we're using. So what about this Blue-Eyed Sold Transformations project? Right. Tell us a bit about that. Shall I tell you a bit about that? Supporting the emerging dance artist. Okay. Um... So this is something I'm really interested in doing, and mm. it's um, it's basically... Um, you're doing it, or you're going to plan to do it? Or? We're going to plan to do it, sorry. We're going to plan to do it next year. Mm. And um, I'm trying to 
condense the project down a bit because I'm sure the listeners will get very bored if I go through the whole thing. You've got another thing. hour and 40 minutes, so you yeah. take your time. Actually, I'm talking far too quickly. You're I not... need <laughs> to talk in slow no, you're motion. Doing, you're doing absolutely brilliantly. Oh, you're okay. very calm, collective, very... <laughs> Trust me, if you think you're talking fast, you should hear some other guests. Okay, great. Um, so what happens is... Oh, it goes back to a lot of historical stuff, which I won't start with. Mm, we'll is, come back to that later. Yeah, um... So now that kind of access for disabled dancers, people to access dance is happening more. Previously, it was non-existent. There's a question about, okay, how can we support these artists to now develop their career paths? How can we actually help support people to become the choreographers of the future mm -hmm. and how can we set up the right structures to enable that to happen and transformations is a pilot project that looks at bringing disabled artists non-disabled artists together to explore choreography mm -hmm. so it's it's about dance making but the difference is it's not about the director going in and going right we're going to shape this we're going to do that it's not about somebody that those traditional ways of working it's mm. about research and development and actually Let's really support the artist to develop it as a choreographer. So mainly it's about money. Absolutely not. It's not about money. Well, oh, you mean to, in support terms? Absolutely. Oh, can't do totally. It, unless there's lots this, of money. This, I mean, the thing. Uh, don't uh, but, yeah, oh, I know you are. Me, me, me. <laughs> let me talk. I mean, I think it's about the resources. It's mm. about this cannot happen without all the resources mm. in place to mm. allow this to happen, which have been the barriers. <laughs> You know, what, what can we put in place mm. to support emerging mm. disabled artists that want to pursue dance? <clears throat> so what's the difference between dance and movement? Uh, none. None? Right, that answers yeah, that question. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I no mean, uh, <laughs> how, how do you define a dance? Mm. How do you define a dance? Is it because mm. you're defining the dance because the dancer's mm. defining that they are dancing? Well, I don't like dance or movement, so it's yeah. really there to me. Why don't you like dance or movement? Uh, I can't believe you've invited me <laughs> on the show. Uh, well, that was for your charismatic personality, obviously. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, no, what I, is it? Well, I think, I think by and large, uh, it's either showing off. Oh, we talk about that later. Uh, or equally, in, the, in disability dance, uh, or whatever you want to call it, it tends to fail to convince the audience of what it's trying to do. So, for example, I remember seeing Kanduko with David Tall and everyone yeah, was deeply yeah. impressed. But most of the audience just went, oh, isn't he brave? And that was the full extent of their engagement. All cried. Absolutely. All cried. Can Absolutely. we go back to that? Well, to you this morning or, or to Charles? <laughs> God, cry, crying seems to be our theme. But I think... It achieved nothing. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, by and large, audience really struggle to find the critique or the vocabulary to even begin to talk about it. Absolutely. So, therefore, what are they focusing on when they watch that? I mean, it was interesting because when I created my first piece of dance with a company that I was working with, the director of the dance agency said, I didn't know how to read it. He literally said to me, mm. you know, half the audience were in tears. I'll be honest, half of them were going, wow, that was, a, that was amazing, but couldn't critique it in any form or shape. And he was saying, I didn't know how to read it. Mm. How was I meant to read this dance? Because mm. there's a whole issue about representation and, you know, in that way. So, yeah. And that showy, showy aspect is who are we modelling on mm -hmm. and what historically... Mm -hmm. uh, companies like Kanduko modelling their work on mm -hmm. 
And what, what does that say? And what do you think they are? And what does it say? Um, it's kind of, yeah, dominant contemporary dance forms um, that kind of aren't really embracing the individual. It's requiring the individuals to work with a particular style, work with a particular genre, um, aspire, aspire. And, that, and that's a bad thing because it, it, it lacks any depth or creativity or originality or any challenge to the concepts that it's actually dealing with. Yeah, itself. yeah. And kind of, we'll go back to this, but also in relation to disability arts, which dance I think is so far removed from for, yeah. for obvious reasons is, you know, what... What are we asking people to bring of themselves into that performance space? So when you say it's obvious why they're so far removed from one another, disability art and disability dance... I'm, I'm only suggesting... Why? Tell me I'm why you think that. Well, I think in disability arts, it's about um, artists actually talk... Not necessarily talking, but finding mediums to talk about their experience of disability. And validating it through the medium that they're Totally. And, and saying, this is my experience as a disabled artist. And mm -hmm. I think because dance has been wrapped up with therapy, mm -hmm. I'm cringing, um, and it's come from that therapeutic framework, that it's way, it's way behind that journey. I'm not saying that's good or bad, and it's on that journey. Mm. But it's, you know, how we... Is dance really considering what it's grappling with, you know? Is it actually capable of doing that, given that so much of dance is about a delusional ideal of the body? <laughs> oh, it's great being here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... I think that is absolutely fundamental in the debate. So, as an experience for me, I'll talk personally... Mm -hmm. You turn up to a dance class and you have someone at the front teaching you. Now, this person is six foot two mm. with limbs that fly up and touch their head. Mm. Much like yourself. Just like myself. <laughs> I put nothing. And I'm aspiring to be that mm -hmm. form, that mm -hmm. style, that physicality. Mm -hmm. And what, what impact does that have that I can't achieve that? Mm. What impact does that have? We're looking at the body. How do you then start to find a vocabulary, a kind of... A different vocabulary, mm -hmm. a, a vocabulary that's kind of changing, yeah, the traditional technique. <laughs> so, 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 given what you've just said and earlier stuff about your own sense of of, of self of worthlessness uh, that we were talking about earlier, was that partly because you were in the field of dance? You know, seeing all these these perfections and these yeah. ideals, and you've just described yourself as five feet nothing and as nothing yeah. compared to that. I think dance is really strange. I'm extremely passionate about it, and I've done it for a long time. But it's a very, very odd phenomena in itself, because. But is it a deeply crushing experience? Um, no, but there's been moments where it could absolutely be crushing, mm -hmm. because ultimately, you are you are literally facing your physicality mm -hmm. every minute and you're with other bodies and that kind of level of comparison mm. or analysis you can't separate from it and mm. you're looking at a mirror in a studio every day mm. so yeah so when did you start to dance um i was quite old i was um yeah probably about 17 mm -hmm. and i'd done gymnastics Mm -hmm. Oh, it's lovely. I've got a little shield on my um, fireplace. Um, and then I saw fame. This is a short person's gymnastics, obviously. No? <laughs> Can I throw this Slukase bottle at you? 
Um, and then I saw Fame on the telly, the series, and I fell in love with Coco You don't Coco look old enough. You just don't look old Thank enough. Thank you. You could get your present later for that. Um, and then I made my mom take me to Splinter's Dance Studio in Kidderminster that's behind the carpet factories at Brinton's. Mm-hmm. And I was the worst in the class. I stood at the back and I didn't care. And uh, yeah, we got in the Sun newspaper. We did a piece about in about 1989 about AIDS, mm-hmm. and the audience all walked out. So we were in the Sun paper. I thought, God, I'm in the right place here. I really am in the right place. Um, so yeah, there you go. There's a story. And, and you're not disabled yourself. I'm not disabled. Mm. And and so, what do you feel about often the people in positions of power not being disabled? And often it's the disabled that who, who they, everybody's getting the money for, but they have no. No control or power. How does that make you feel? Um, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think, um, it's about looking at the issues. It's, in the ideal world, mm. there would be disabled choreographers, directors mm-hmm. doing this work in the ideal notion of it. Mm-hmm. It's an uncomfortability, yeah. And it's it's about shifting that power, mm. shifting how that's kind of navigated, I guess. Right. Well, we'll play your next song because we've been talking for nearly twenty minutes. What's your next song? It's called Liber- Oh yeah, my Liberation next, Party. My next song is called Liberation <clears throat> Party by Marlena Shaw. And what? Yeah, um, I've never heard of that. Haven't you? Marlena Shaw is the Queen of Soul. The Queen of Soul. The Queen of Soul. Contemporary or in the past? Oh, it's contemporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I used to go to a club called the Underground. Where? In Leeds, mm. and um, dance madly. I used to go about three times a week, and this is when I got into this woman. Let's hear it. Well, today's guest is Rachel Liggett from uh, Blue-Eyed Soul, who is their Education and Training Coordinator. I've got here something written about uh, you were taught control, passivity and (laughs) (laughs) self-hate. I hate you. (laughs) So so tell us about, this is when you were a student dancer. How how useful is it in the real, real world of community dance practice to have an awareness of control, passivity and self-hate? Okay. <laughs> Did I really write that? Good Lord. <coughs> um, yeah, we've kind of touched on, on this already. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to focus on these kind of things. I can tell. It, it enables us to get to the core yeah, of the Yeah, a little, bit, a little bit deeper. I think there's kind of a real mismatch in how you're kind of taught dance and study it intensely mm. and actually the reality of the gen- generosity and graciousness of actually delivering it in community contexts. Mm. And I think the polarisation of that mm. is really... I think it's really funny. And I also think it's <laughs> it's uh, so... It's such a bloody relief. It's, sorry, I swore. <laughs> it's such a relief because you, you train as a dancer and it's all about structure mm-hmm. and it's all about form and it's all about being exceptionally disciplined. And... Um, and if you're not achieving, you kind of beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. And then that, then you make the transition to be actually working in community dance. And mm. you just realise that all those kind of hang-ups and that element of control that becomes embedded in you, where, what purpose does that have? And what does that create when you're working with people? And how useful, how useful is it? Mm. 
and it's not that useful. So, so if you take that on to this other thing that, that we could talk about, which is why dance in higher education would be well equipped, can be ill-equipped to support disabled dance students uh, who's trying to fit into whose model. I would have thought being taught control, pacific and self-hate was ideal for a disabled person's course, really. <laughs> That's almost the definition of society and how it treats disabled people. Right, okay, okay. <laughs> on that logic, we should be yeah. wonderful dancers who could fit into any course in higher education on dance. <laughs> yeah, it's the irony, because it's actually looking at reversing that, isn't it? Mm, mm. Actually, in community practice and in, in working with people, mm. that that's what you're looking for, you're reversing that, and yet when you're studying it. So is is dance to some extent... God, it sounds like dance is really negative. It was a wonderful experience studying it. It wasn't all that. It was absolutely amazing. But there is elements of it. And where did you where did you study dance? Uh, I studied dance at Bretton Hall College. Which is where? It's in Yorkshire at the Henry Moore Sculpture Park, which is, it, is it was um, an dance arts and college. Sculpture. Did you dance around the sculpture a lot? Don't. Absolutely <laughs> not my favourite pastime. It sounds terribly pretentious and middle class. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to understand that everyone at Breton at that time was pretentious and middle class. Totally the opposite. I don't believe We that. were all failed, couldn't get anywhere else students. Oh, that's interesting. We were, that's all of us, and it was um, it was a really good time. Cause so, it, so how had you failed? Um, well, I'd failed in terms of academia, shall we say. In in what degree? You got no O-levels, A-levels? I got two, two O-levels. I'm <laughs> crying into the microphone. <laughs> and what were those in? They were in art and English, obviously. <laughs> um, and then I, I stayed on to retake some. Mm. And I passed government and politics and well, history. I've got government and politics. Got something in common at last. And English. My only two A levels are government and politics. Are we having co- are we having a competition? Well, I had art as well, so I beat so you. So you beat me. Yeah, you beat me. And I begged to do A level art and English, mm. and they let me do it. Mm. Now, what's interesting? And you it, got them. Of course, I got them. Come How can on. you call yourself a failure when you got a couple of A levels? Yeah, true. But what I'm saying is, but then uh, I. W- why did you look at yourself as you said that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to sit really still now. Um, and then, hold on, there's a link. I was going to say something really important then to you, mm-hmm. what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to teach dance and art and I needed maths O-level. <laughs> so I took it six times and mm. I failed every time. Mm. Did, so you, did you ever get it? I haven't got it. I failed it three times. So again, you win. I win. We'll agree, you're thicker than me. <laughs> 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 Thanks. I just want to reinforce your sense of self-hate. <laughs> <laughs> so, equally, tell me about your short spell on a feminist studies MA. What did you realise when you were doing a feminist studies MA? Um, what What I realised was <laughs> that I uh, really liked men and there was a bit of an issue for me actually being on that <laughs> course. You mean you felt that the others weren't too keen? There was a... <laughs> Can we have there their names a, <laughs> and addresses? <laughs> there was a slight hint of it, shall we say. Mm. I mean, I think it it's really useful trying out different things in your life. And at the time, to be really honest, I was just dabbling into the woman's dabbling press. Dabbling in feminism. No, no I, was, I was. I was reading the woman's press kind of nice literature novels. Someone has to. I know. But suddenly I was in the world of kind of um, Bell Hooks and Germaine Greer. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, no. And so I was with a group of 
feminists and there was radical, there was liberal, there was all these feminists and we actually got nothing done. I used to turn up for the session mm. and it would just be arguments and crossfire the whole time. It became very difficult. So very, you very thought, difficult. leave that and go into dance, it'll be so much better. <laughs> I thought, I'm just doing the wrong course, yeah. And so where did you do that? That was at Leeds Met. Leeds Met. So where are you from originally? Kidderminster? Budley. Budley. And so what did your parents do? Um, yeah, my mum cleaned hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. In Budley? At the George Hotel Budley. Mm-hmm. And my dad fitted carpets. Mm-hmm. Um, He's from Kidderminster, so it takes logic. He really. did work for Brinton's. <laughs> but my dad actually was a really, really good artist and he wanted to go into carpet design, mm-hmm. but ended up fitting them. <laughs> That's the tragic story of so many working class people's lives. It is, it is. You're the one who's laughing. I'm not laughing. No, or are those tears? Almost tears. I think I'm on the brink now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So uh, you've had a, a, a fairly recent trip, was it, to South Africa? Yeah. And, and what did that teach you? Or, or what were your reflections from that on the notions of inclusion? Yeah. Um, you're reading directly my questions that I sent you, are you? Well, I've got to, I, you know, I've got to get you talking for so long. I think I might as well ask you something you want yeah. to ask. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I went... And to... your fans want this of me, to ask these questions of you. Yeah, so. okay. I believe you. Yep. Um, Hello, Mark. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went to South Africa. Um, when? To... This was just before I started with Blue Eyes Soul. So about two years ago. About two years ago. Mm. And I got um, a scholarship to go to <clears throat> Lisa Almond. What's that? It supports artists. Um, who Dancers. Want to... yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I know. Yeah. I know, you don't agree. Well, I'm not a dancer, I can't apply for them. So. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, you can't. Um, and... Yeah, I'm losing, I'm losing my thread here. South Africa. That's right. Thank Inclusion. You. Yeah. So I worked with Remix Dance Company, they're an inclusive dance company. Where? In Cape Town. Cape Town, yeah. And I stayed for a month. And what I... Inclusion is quite an ambiguous term. I mean, what do we mean by it? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. And certainly, through working with Blue Eye Soul, I've realised that it is actually a really difficult thing to talk to describe to people. They don't know what it means. Mm. Um, and kind of South Africa just was a completely different context to work. Mm. I mean, the inclusion is about race, gender, <coughs> disability. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much personal and social history there that kind of impacts on such a number of things, really. Mm. You know, apartheid was relatively recent. and So what does inclusion mean to you? Yeah. You're saying it's an <laughs> ambiguous word. What does it mean to you? Remember, it cuts out if you don't say too okay. much. <laughs> I do need quite some time to think. You just go, mm, well... Yeah, well, oh, can we come back to that, please? Mm-hmm. Um, it's about including people, but mm. not everybody all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about... I can't find the words. It's kind of about eliminating that prejudice about... Mm. And kind of, so things aren't exclusive, that there's, stop writing it down for your latest book. Um, So yeah, it's about engaging people in an activity without excluding them, but Mm. it's not for everybody all the time. Mm. 
Now, that's a very interesting point, that it's not for everybody all of the time. Uh, whereas there is a bit of an obsession that everybody sh- everything should be for everybody all of the time. But I think that really negates quality sometimes and people's experience. Oh, let me write quality in big words there, because we can have a little talk about that. I have big issues with quality. But aside from that... It, not everybody wants to do everything all of the time. And is there, Absolutely. Any, is there anything wrong with exclusion of some people some of the time if it's not about being against them? I think that totally, yeah. That that's fine. I think... I think it is. So do I. Mm. I think... Why should, why, ev- why, why should someone decide that everyone should be included all the time mm-hmm. and that individual should be included all the time? I don't think that's... <clears throat> so... so uh, Moving on from that, this notion of quality, because I think that that's a very interesting... I Because I, 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 I have no belief in the notion of quality whatsoever. Right. Uh, and to me, what that notion of inclusion, everybody all of the time and everything, is actually about, is about negating the power of anything, or its significance, or, or its depth. And that's not about... It's a different thing to quality... And would you would you agree that that perhaps so? For example, I think uh, present pol- political kind of ideologies are much more about everybody being included all of the time, and that's so that nothing becomes threatening, challenging. Which combined with that is so that nothing actually changes. Yeah, yeah. What would you say uh, quality is? Oh, I, I. You see, I agree with what you're saying as well. Mm. It's kind. It's also about, okay, so you're creating an inclusive environment and you're allowing everybody in. So what is the common denominator? Mm. What, what are we looking at as a common denominator? Mm-hmm. And that can actually go to mediocrity mm-hmm. in effect. Mm-hmm. That if we're looking for a common denominator that's including everybody and everybody can get involved, we're looking for that, that total safe point where we're not really sieving through the questions. Mm-hmm. We're not really... But given that you work in an area of disability where quality in, in conventional terms is much lower, isn't that a difficult problem in the sense that the common denominator in working with disabled people often is, is pretty low? That's not a criticism of them. Often it's because of their exclusion, a whole range of things. So how, how does that become satisfying for you to work in that yeah, kind of situation? But, but what, what models are you using to... How how do you d- judge the quality of something? Oh, that's what I'm saying to you. Cause, yeah, because I no, I'm, I yeah, don't believe yeah. in any judgment of quality. Right, because th- I I think the things of the most awful quality can be life changing for certain individuals, and the things of incredible quality on those conventional models can achieve nothing for anybody. Yeah, except yeah. self indulgence of a few intellectual yeah yeah human beings. I mean, there's so. Quality, if you're trying, dance is trying to do it at the moment, they're trying to almost have a bullet point list of how mm. you define quality. Mm-hmm. So it must have these components to be of quality. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has big issues because actually, as you say, it could be the, the thing of poor quality, but could have the biggest impact on Absolutely. an individual in that moment in Absolutely. time. Absolutely. But it still doesn't fit that criteria of what quality so, is. Do you know the name of the idiot that drew up this bullet point list? Uh, no. Why do you want <laughs> to shame. ring them up immediately? <laughs> um, yeah, quality, quality. And again, it goes back to 
um, frameworks whose framework are we using to say what is quality mm-hmm. who is who is the powerful person deciding <laughs> that so, that is of quality what aesthetic are we looking at that so, denotes quality so what framework do you use in your work how do you judge the quality of what you do um this is this is tricky i'll tell you there is issues because when you're working in a process and you're you, you could actually map how an individual begins to engage with it, becomes more confident, starts to make informed choices, starts to run across the stage without you ever having seen that before and jump in the arms of somebody else. I've had that journey. I've had that inside of you. But the minute you start to take it out of that framework Mm -hmm. and present it somewhere else, that person hasn't got that motion of this quality. Mm -hmm. So how then is it being viewed? How is it being read? And how is it being judged on the quality stakes so yeah so how do we judge quality okay you're looking at me say you haven't answered the question um do you judge quality though in 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 what you do with various individuals and groups and how do you judge it i'll be really honest with you Mm -hmm. there is there is forms and processes in dance that you use Mm -hmm. to create a dance Mm -hmm. so you can look at the structure Mm. or the transitions Mm. and you can say that choreographically is working Mm -hmm. and then the other layer is you can actually look at how your performers or participants are engaging with Mm -hmm. that material Mm -hmm. and what they're bringing so you have a checklist I guess we do. Kind of form that, that you've... Yeah. yeah. But also, it's it's not just a checklist. You're working with intuition. Mm-hmm. You're working with feelings. You're working with response. Mm-hmm. And that's what art, art is. You're working with connections that are beyond the verbal or, or rationalised mm-hmm. or intellectualised. So, so what takes the work you do into the realms of art and out of the realms of therapy? Okay, so therapy... I am, I'm not trying to catch you out. No, I'm, no, I'm really no. Intrigued. With therapy, I am not interested in what is wrong with that person. Mm-hmm. I personally am not interested mm-hmm. in that medical model mm-hmm. of what is wrong, and I'm not trying... We're not, we are, the company, are not trying to look into that aspect at all. There's, we're not interested. I'm not saying it's not therapeutic. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not therapeutic experience, but... Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that medical model mm-hmm. in that respect. So what is it? It's art, darling. <laughs> it's art. You know. So how do, how do you step back and say, do you step back and say, well, actually there we created a piece of art and it wasn't therapy. And do you sometimes step back from a project and say, well, actually that didn't achieve art. It, it remained on a fairly static level of therapy, not through anything you've done, but often because of the participants or those controlling the participants. What, what, what about that? I've done it in sessions where mm-hmm. we've had a session which has been improvisation mm-hmm. and it's, we've come from a certain particular angle mm-hmm. and I thought that was heading in the realms of therapy. I'll mm-hmm. be really honest. Mm-hmm. And then I've had another session which is really grappling choreographically mm-hmm. at ideas and concepts mm-hmm. where I've thought, yeah, artistically this is this idea, this concept. Mm. It's really got mileage and it's going somewhere. Right. But it's hard to separate them. It's that kind of interlinked thing with dance. It's Mm -hmm. kind of that interlinked thing, you know. 
Well, I, to some extent, defending therapy, I think most art is therapy for the middle classes. Uh, and so again, that I don't have, I don't believe in any of these notions of, of, of therapy to some extent. But equally, I would say that's probably true of my feelings towards art, and and, and I I try and dismiss both, mm. and try and create something new. So I, so what what what's your something new? Well, I'd like to think of it as the Liggett principle. But on that note, <laughs> I shall think about that. <laughs> You've just realised what I've said, haven't you? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and we'll play your next song. Okay, great. Which is a John Lennon classic. Yeah. Called? Watching the Wheels. And what's that about? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I'd say it's um, where I'm at more myself these days. I'll have to listen to the words then. Yeah. Let's hear it. Well, as I said before, today we've got uh, Rachel Liggett of Blue-Eyed Soul, one of the legendary dancers of the West Midlands, if not the UK in total. So why do you work with disabled people? Why don't you work with normal people? Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't something I kind of went, right, I'm going to work with disabled people now. I didn't kind of wake up one day and go, right, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, I've always worked with people. Mm. To be honest, I don't, get, I don't care who they are. <laughs> Can I be really uh, blunt? Yeah, 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 just take, it was a job. Let's yeah, face it. yeah, it let's face job. it. I needed the money. It was a job uh, in the country. Yeah, exactly. And I just thought, yeah, it's with people, whatever. <laughs> um, now I've always worked with people. So you are obviously one of the most highly paid people in Shropshire. Probably. <laughs> wages are so low there. I can't <laughs> believe our wages how low the wages are. So yeah. I can. It's a rural economy. Yeah, true, it is. So It's a rural economy. Yeah, I'm rich. I'm rich. Spiritually, if nothing else. Are you a spiritual person? Um, well, I'm not religious. You're not religious at all. Is that you, you're against it or you just... No, kind of there's just nothing inside me that even vaguely. Mm-hmm. I have dabbled. I've done the evangelist. I've done the Baptist. I've done the C of E. When, when did you do the evangelist? Oh, probably about 16. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend's dad was a preacher, mm. George Miller, if anybody knows him out there, is quite famous. And I ran off totally freaked out because they did the hands-on thing mm-hmm. where he talked in tongues and then people started collapsing. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is far too weird. I can't cope with this. Mm. And I kind of ran out and never went back. And um, yeah, the back. Baptist was pretty similar experience. There was a baptism down downstairs, and so what were you searching for? The fact that you keep going back. Well, I haven't recently. That was yeah, quite a few years ago. Yeah, but you yeah. were searching then, and to some yeah. extent, you do strike me as a person even now who's searching for some kind of inner, inner meaning, Still. And trans, 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 something. Really? Mm. Oh, that's not a bad thing. That's not a criticism. Yeah, I'm. Aren't we always? Aren't we always always searching? Aren't we all searching? <laughs> not I, not I. Have you arrived? Are um, you arrived? I've just fully accept that everything is completely and utterly and totally pointless. You don't mean that. Yeah. And it's, how? And how has that freed you up? How has that liberated you? Because then things matter less uh, to the extent you can just get on with trying to enjoy it. Yeah. This is it, and then it ends. Okay, I found my spirit. I've come. I've arrived. Just call me Guru. Totally, that piece of advice. <laughs> or Yogi Bear, one or the other. I'm not sure which one. Yogi Bear, yeah, kind of links. <laughs> so, yeah, religion is, is not 
the thing. But um, I think it's more about philosophy about how you want to live, isn't it? Mm. Well, that's uh, I want to live a certain way. So, what are your prejudices? Before we get to the news, and we can leave people on your prejudices. Um. Or would you say you're a prejudice-free individual? What, what of course I've got prejudices. So of course, course I have, of course I have, of oh, course I have, of course I have. I hate that. That's awful. I can't think of any. There's only... <sighs> I have, I've got loads, I've got loads. But one thing has come into my mind. I've got prejudice about people that haven't got a sense of humour. Mm-hmm. I find that really, really, really difficult. That must be difficult in Shropshire then. Very difficult. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to move let, house after let, talking to you. Let alone um, share in an office with Dash. <laughs> yeah, now that's that. They've got no sense of humour whatsoever, especially that Tanya Chan, Tanya woman, oh. Tanya Raba Weber. Yeah, she's just. Oh, she's a regular on this show. We're, we will hear nothing bad about Tanya. her. Absolutely. I'm, 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 hopefully, she's going to take this show over from me eventually. That, that's my dream. I have such respect for the woman. Have you? Who couldn't have? Have you offered her the job yet? Uh, no, I'm thinking five years down the road. You know, yeah, I just yeah, thought, yeah, give me a break. yeah. So what? You, what she could actually come in and just be your apprentice for a bit, and then you can have that smooth transition over. Your, what do they call them on the radio? We've got to go for the news. Okay, great. What a bit unfortunate. So we'll see you after the news. Well, Rachel, hello again. Hello. <laughs> I know you enjoyed that little news break. I did. Talking about uh, the different things on the news there. Uh, so. Uh, I explained to you how I like red meat. What more do we need out of life? That's all we need. Jumpers and lamb burgers. Yeah, you and your lamb. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so I've got another uh, load of questions here for you, obviously. Uh, so what is disability? <laughs> what is disability? What is disability? Mm-hmm. I ask it of all my guests. Yeah. How would you... Define it and describe it. Should we move on from that one? Yeah, can I come back? <laughs> we can come back. You will come back, we, won't you? We might... Uh, OK, we will come back to that one, but it might come up in the next two questions where we're going to talk about a, two theatrical experiences that we've, <laughs> that we've both seen recently. <laughs> so, first of all, let's talk about fittings. OK. Uh, we, we had them on the show a couple of weeks ago. We yeah. went to see the performance. Uh, what, did, what did you think of fittings? Yeah. I thought it was, just to start off before my critique, I thought it was part cabaret, mm-hmm. part pantomime, mm-hmm. uh, touching on theatre. Touching on theatre. Oh, that's a damning indictment. No, in no, theatre. Um, yeah, I thought it was many things. Many things. What did you think? I thought uh, I was disappointed. Yeah, I yeah. I was disappointed in it. I think it lacked uh, a clear, concise structure. Yeah, yeah. I think that they had some good ideas, but they threw them away far too quickly, like the puppets and the tea. Completely. There, I, were, there was a lot in there. There uh, was a, many, many components. Far too many things. And the not best, fully realised. And the best things they threw away far too quickly. Completely. And I think if it wasn't for... And it, it would have been better if it had been a musical and they'd gone much more with the songs, because I thought the songs were very good. Not necessarily always linked to what they were trying to do. Yeah, but, yeah. And so I, I was a bit disappointed at Byron. I thought there were some cracking performances. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I was a bit disappointed, actually. I, I had some ideological problems as well in, in getting groups in saying, you know, how terrible institutions are. Let's all talk about freedom. And then, by the way, you're all going back to your institutions. Yeah, off and, you go. Yeah, and I, yeah, I had yeah, a little bit yeah, of a kind yeah, of yeah. ideological problem with that. 
Uh, yeah. I could but see where did, you were... have, did you have any problems with how they were representing that as well? Uh, the representation of characters or how... You tell me what your problem with it was. Yeah. Um, well, I thought some of the monologues were too long. Mm-hmm. I thought kind of some of the characters took too mu- much space mm-hmm. in kind of terms of that. And also kind of some of... I felt that it was it was kind of trying to be to look in on itself mm-hmm. and kind of create these archetypal kind of characters mm-hmm. and kind of that worked to a degree but you couldn't get to the subtleties all the time of actually what was being said or what was so in in it, trying to create an archetype it sort of veered in towards the crass at times mm-hmm. yeah slightly mm-hmm. and again i totally agree with you they had they had the ideas with that, I love the trees, the, the, the design of the tea trolley. Mm-hmm. I thought the design of it was excellent, mm. but underused. And the puppet? I thought the puppet in the bed scene well, could have been absolutely fantastic. Mind-blowing. I mean, yeah, I think there's something about, when I go and watch something, even if it's in a minuscule of a second, I just want to escape myself. Mm. I just want to be in that moment of losing myself in the bed scene, which could have been incredibly have resonance mm-hmm. it, it was ripe for resonance wasn't it <laughs> that kind of beautiful puppet mm-hmm. and kind of the physicality of that that bed scene but just yeah totally it just didn't take me that that mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. it didn't tap into me being a bit kind of transported outside myself to somewhere else mm-hmm. so yeah well i think we've agreed on that one. <laughs> oh, we've agreed on something this is amazing oh, we agree on most things i'm sure which of course brings us on to what we saw last week yeah and, and yeah, i think two yeah, weeks yeah, ago yeah. our guest was julie mcnamara yeah uh, which was wonderful to have her on what did you think of pigtails yeah i had many many opinions about this and i want to hear every single <laughs> one of them <laughs> good wow um yeah Firstly, I'd just like to talk personally. I think it would the it would be a nightmare for me to attempt to do a solo show because mm-hmm. actually I've I think you underestimate yourself there, Rachel. Thanks. I hope you mean that. I think that um, actually it's a very very hard thing to do because mm-hmm. I think you're asking people to hold the space mm-hmm. in a in a big way for a long time, and you've got to have something to say. You've got to have something to say, and I felt that. Well, well, um, uh, let me just write that down. She thinks she couldn't do a one man. Okay, we'll come back to that one. Um, <laughs> do you think I've got enough... What I'm saying is, have I got enough material to do a one-woman one show? Mm, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, have I got enough resources there? Absolutely. That's what you've got to ask. Absolutely. Uh, it's like, is there something... I mean, there's this brilliant... Well, from speaking to you, it's obvious that you have. But it's about, it's more about your ability to harness those and get over the fear of revealing those to, to an audience. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And I think that's what that's, that's the anxiety you have about Completely that. Completely. That makes you fear that you couldn't do the it. The vulnerability of that. Exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. you could do that. Yeah, but I'd, I'd have to use that vulnerability, wouldn't I? I'd have, to, I'd have to force that back into whatever I'm creating. Absolutely. Which kind of really... Do you know, I'm going to be really honest here, I've got something to say. And actually, as a performer, I always felt I had something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've always toyed in my head with this, my ego going, actually, I'd really like to do that, but oh, I shouldn't, oh, I can't, you know. So um, so going back to that show, yeah, the show, the show, I have to say it's hard being a solo. I, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. But? But. You didn't like it, did you? I wanted to know Pig. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know who Pig was. Mm-hmm. So where did you not get Pig? Well, I didn't really see Pig in it. I mm-hmm. saw the surrounding kind of 
slightly politicised, but not quite going far enough for me, mm-hmm. outside agencies that were interacting with Pig. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't sure where Pig was in this kind of framework that she, that she was presenting. So if I say that my feelings about it were that I think there was a fantastic half-hour monologue from Pig yeah, yeah, I'm trying to hidden, remember it. Hidden. Oh, was it in, hidden? That's what I'm kind of going, where, where, what? Yeah, go on. And I think that that, that was where I think it, it lacked for me in that it brought in too much of this outside stuff. Yeah, and yeah. And if it had been whittled down to Pig's Tale of Pig, I think, because I think Julie McNamara was, was a fantastic performer. I think yeah, she, she yeah, held you yeah. very well. Yeah, totally. But there was far too, there's far too much set. And it wasn't really used either. Most of the the set wasn't. Um, And also the way it was placed in space, I would have really considered that Mm -hmm. because actually it looked like separate separate little sets all placed in space. But I did have one issue. I did have one issue. Issue. Look at me. I'm pointing my finger now, listeners. Um, And it's purely probably about my taste. If you're changing characters, Mm -hmm. if you're switching between roles, Mm -hmm. you for me, I don't want that mystique shattered. Mm-hmm. So what happened was that there became a rhythm. Particu- by, all I can say is, is buy the video then, buy the video. Buy, buy the video, <laughs> totally, totally. But it's that rhythm of now we see someone, mm-hmm. there's the time scale of that, mm-hmm. and now we shift to another character. Mm-hmm. And it's something about I want to see that, that transformation mm-hmm. and I want to be surprised by it almost. So I want it mm-hmm. to again well, I, appear. I, I think, that, that, I think that, that was a problem in the sense that if you have strong characters and weak characters the change will show up the weak characters. And I think because Pig Pig was there and Pig was such a fantastic character that if it had stayed on that individual and been about their experiences, you could have achieved the same degree of politicisation of the audience yeah, without yeah. battering them over the head with, with... The Doctor bit. Yeah, but equally without the, the visuals and all of those Yeah, kind of yeah, things. yeah, yeah. And there was just... Um, she really really held me but there was a really missed opportunity in the end when the fireworks went off mm-hmm. and she was kind of in that crucifix i mean me and tanya both turned around and went we want we wanted fireworks you know it's kind of something about um yeah just going a bit further mm-hmm. in that in some key moments there <laughs> are we on agreement about that i'm not sure <laughs> no no i think we do agree yeah on that. i think you yeah. know i i i, I I, I I think I think it was a bit better than you. <laughs> no 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 no. I'm not saying better than yeah, you. I mean, yeah. I think it's better than you thought it was. I tell you what it is. I yeah. It's maybe I've got a high high expect. I really enjoyed it, but there was something about again. I could see the nuts and bolts of the show. Mm. I could see the tra- I could I could see. Wasn't that because it was being trying to be overly political in the sense that. It was attacking a lot of institutions, uh, the church, medicine. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, you just felt, oh, here you're attacking that group, here you're attacking that group. Whereas if it had been the pure character of Pig and their journey, you would have, you still would have got that point, but without, you know, without that signpost saying, here I'm going to criticise this group, here I'm going to criticise yeah, this Yeah, yeah. I'm going to agree with you. And I think it is a shame because I think, you know, it, there's a half-hour monologue in that from Pig that that would have had much more power, much more pathos, bathos, cleanliness, if we're talking about baths, and, and all of those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And what did your son think of it? Did you get a little critique out of him when you came home in the car? <laughs> 
Uh, well, he was just tired, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think he, he was a bit bored, but then, you know, he is the age he is. He is a fairly young lad, and I think the kind of issues that it was... Yeah, it was really grappling with... Uh, <laughs> was very difficult, but he's seen many a thing that was much, much more boring for him. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And she, I, she held it. She held the space. And I think because one of the problems is, is when you try and attack uh, major institutions, if your audience's experience of them doesn't relate to that, they tend to dismiss the attack on that organisation. Yeah. So, for yeah. example, there was a lot of attacks on the on the Catholic Church. My son goes to a Catholic school. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, it's not like that, yeah, it kind of yeah. undermines it. Whereas if it had been stuck to the character of Pig, it, you could still relate to that as that experience of an individual yeah, in that yeah. situation. Because even yeah. even in my son's school, there's kids who aren't happy, don't enjoy it. And you can see that how they would experience that yeah, same situation yeah. that you might just be quite happy or indifferent to. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So when you do your one-woman show, what, what, what will the... Uh... <laughs> I've written that down here. <laughs> Well, you know, I do think about... Do I don't, that's what I'm asking you. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do think about doing a one-woman show. And what would, what would its essence be? What do you want to say? What do I want to say? What do I want to say? Again, we've got this pause, but I am no, actually that's fine, that's fine. formulating it in my brain as we speak. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to put this, but it's something about reflecting on things that we actually take for granted. Mm -hmm. Such as? That actually are quite funny. or It's almost, it's, it's on that cusp of, it could actually be, profoundly tragic but actually it's hysterical mm, but isn't that because it's happening to someone else no I'm not sure yeah possibly or is it funny because it's happening to you I think yeah maybe because it's happening to me mm -hmm. yeah and that's what makes it funny I don't know there's something kind of in the tragedy of a certain scenario that is actually quite funny mm-hmm and that could be a particular event or it could be being on the edge and then coming back from the edge, which is actually quite, I don't know. Or what a universal theme. Yeah, I guess so. Everyone's done it. That's it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. It's a, yeah. So are, are, you, are you proud of being working class? Who said I was working class? I never mentioned. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny, but I'm not. I'm not working class. I'm actually probably middle class. Mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. I'm probably middle class now. Um, or you were born that? Um, I think I was. I think I was born to a middle class, a, a mom that aspired to be middle class, mm -hmm. and I think that's had a profound effect on me. In what way? I've got to stop crying in a minute. Um, it's all right, the mics are waterproof. Okay, good. Because <laughs> um, I think, basically, I, I've always... I can't send her a copy of this now if you're recording it. But I've always had the... I've, I've grown up with the sense that she was deeply disappointed. In the world, herself or you? World, herself, um, other people, um, situations, feeling trapped, feeling desperate. Um, yeah. But not you? No, not me. Right. 
And have you got brothers and sisters? I have. I have got a twin sister who's got a PhD in plant pathology. In plant pathology? Fungicides and pesticides. And I've got a brother. Who's younger or older? He's older. He's got a different dad. My mum was married before. And what does he do? He's an electrician. The brother? Yeah, he's an electrician. Still, if he's cheap, give me his name and address. <laughs> They're hard to come by these days. <laughs> Absolutely. There's nothing, a good electrician. Yeah. They're hard yeah, to find. Yeah. So, yeah, that whole working class thing, it is... Yeah, it's, yeah, I guess it's kind of part of... So is part of your 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 kind of self-loathing linked to a high-achieving sister? <laughs> I'm laughing because... Um, it's so sad. It's so sad <laughs> what you've just said. And I've heard it before. Uh, uh, uh. Um, no. No, I don't know, I, I don't know what it's link, linked to. Um I think it is a bit of having... No, what I mean is, is you know, you, you obviously consider your, your sister to be very ac- academic <laughs> Listen, and, and clever, and yet yeah. you've already repeatedly dismissed your own abilities in that level. Have uh, I? Uh, you have indeed. Yeah. Uh, and, and I find that quite interesting. That, yeah, you know, that yeah, possibly, but I, I, I must say this, she is a completely different person to me. Is she? Absolutely. Yeah, completely. In, um, in what way? It's just going to reflect what you've just told me. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I say completely. I, I say completely, but you're not identical twins. You're just... we're, no, we're non-identical. Completely non-identical. I mean, she's taken her choices have been so. She's fixed six foot tall and fat. No, <laughs> she is taller. She's got freckles. She's got blue eyes. She's got mm-hmm. dead straight hair. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, she is incredibly academic, but also the choices she's made in her life have been very different from me mm-hmm. to this point. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that we make. You know, we cross over, we have similarities, but our choices are so, so different. And I think that's a really interesting question because, you know, all that rubbish they talk about on the news about kind of parental this and if you haven't got that and if you haven't got this, you would turn out like that. But how can identical twins be so polarised? How can they be so different? And yet they've had the same upbringing and the same parents. Mm-hmm. You know, you make these choices, don't you? Mm-hmm. You make these decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm not bitter that she got 13 O-levels. Mm-hmm. Three A levels, a this degree, is, a master's, and a PhD. This is why you were struggling to get two. <laughs> Do you know what school was social for me? Social. Yeah, it wasn't about learning. I started mm-hmm. learning at sixteen, and then I became really addicted to reading. So, so was that because you couldn't compete, or? Um, yeah, I think because I was deaf and I couldn't hear for seven years, mm. so I missed quite a lot of school. Well, let's come back to that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, and. Um, so I was a bit behind and I and I was sent to lessons with um, Mrs. Doolittle for a bit mm-hmm. to catch up. Is that because she could talk to animals so they thought she could talk to the deaf? <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh. Um, yeah, I can't even remember the question now. Something about, yeah. So, so why were you deaf for seven years? Well, I had uh, little eardrums, that's all, tiny, you were only tiny, a tiny, girl. yeah, little, little eardrums. So why did you have little eardrums? You are asking really stupid questions. <laughs> no, I mean, what? Can you just cast your eye across <laughs> to the size of that ear? Look, Goodness look. me. I haven't got a magnifying glass with me. And also, <laughs> does it, can you just comment that it looks like Dr. Spock's? Look. No, it doesn't look like Dr. Oh, Spock's. okay. Yeah, I'll Babies, show. baby Spock, perhaps. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, I mean, so did you have an operation to correct it or what? Uh, yeah, I had some grommets put in. Or did it just grow? Yeah, and and it's grown. <laughs> Get it together, Paul. 
And so how did this affect you, being deaf for seven years? Well, I don't give know. Me, give me the ages that you were deaf. Well, it was kind of when I was born, and then I think um, I went to school and they didn't know what was... what mm-hmm. was Something was up, you mm-hmm. know. Did she have a learning disability? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was my ears. Which is interesting, because you have all the ear tests and everything, but they hadn't kind of... How did it affect me? Well... I was incredibly happy, obviously not being able to hear anything, mm-hmm. grinning from ear to ear, mm-hmm. and I got run over nearly several times. But, I mean, that was the biggest effect mm. <laughs> <laughs> it had on me. I think I can't remember anything else about it. <laughs> but, yeah, there you go. Oh, well, that's, that's interesting. So, so I've also got written in that you had a little spell in forensics. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I worked, I worked for the NHS Tell for us a while. what forensics is, because most people get it wrong. Yes, they do. Can I t- t- talk about it from my perspective? Because mm-hmm. it's not about detective stories mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the crime scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I worked for the NHS and I worked in um, a locked psychiatric ward mm-hmm. as part of the prison service. So that was the aspect of forensics I was in. And how long were you doing that? It was a six-month dance artist-in-residence job and it had, let's just say, a profound effect on me. Let's explore that. In shall what I, way shall I explore that you with should. you? Um, because you arrive, mm-hmm. and the men that I were wor- were in assessment ward, so they just committed their crime. Mm-hmm. Um, they were being assessed. They were coming to terms with doing some bad things. Mm-hmm. Such so, as high level crime, mm-hmm. rape, murder. Mm-hmm. And they also have personality disorders and schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. So it was actually, and I toddle in, five foot nothing, mm-hmm. smiling, completely naively, thinking, dance can change your life! And I think what's really interesting is that, um, yeah, what is that about? Now, there's a one-woman show, if ever I've heard one. Because you go in and dance in the whole scheme of their world. Mm-hmm. And what effect does that have on my ego? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what effect did it have on your ego? Well, you've got to, you've got to completely, completely grapple with yourself mm-hmm. because actually everything you think you're good at, everything you feel you've learned, everything you feel that you offer, offer doesn't have any bearing or isn't bringing to fruition, you know, isn't, isn't making things happen. Mm-hmm. You're not in that power mm-hmm. position and it questions the whole notion of power and importance and who you are and what you are. I mean, I arrived thinking I was going to do creative dance and we were doing line dancing mm-hmm. and the attention span was three and a half minutes of most of the people I worked with. Mm-hmm. So that was... A pretty soul-destroying experience. Yeah, there was one group I worked with, the lifers that can't be integrated into the community for many reasons mm-hmm. we created a performance piece mm-hmm. with that group and um yeah that was pretty incredible in terms of what that was mm-hmm. so yeah when in you're, what way was it incredible that, that that you achieved that or that their inability to do it oh that it that it was achieved yeah, oh that completely that it was achieved and yeah. within within that that kind of time frame that I had with them, how the relationship with the prison officers changed that were also in that session. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people I worked with were under observation, Mm -hmm. so either one-to-one or two-to-one in some cases, which again totally changes you as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. 
you know it's not in what way well you're not just working with the patient you're working with staff mm-hmm. and I found that incredibly hard if mm-hmm. anybody's ever worked in the prison service so would you do it again never never because I was really close to breaking point it was very 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 difficult yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> so what are my other questions here uh, <clears throat> so how is it uh, Working in Blue-Eyed Soul, what, 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 what do you think you've achieved most at Blue-Eyed Soul? Since I started the job. Oh, obviously, since um, you started the job. Yeah. What do you think's your biggest achievement since you've been at Blue-Eyed Soul? <clears throat> Shall we come back to that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what does the future hold for Rachel Liggett? Uh, what does the future where do you, hold? Where do you want to go next and where do you want to go long term? What is it you want to do? Yeah. Um, well, I'd really, really like to make some work again. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you say that as if you don't make work now. I do make work. I'd really... I guess recently I've had... I've kind of really moved away from performance. It was mm. just the direction that it went because in. Because of the nature of the work. Yeah. And because I'm not a dancer that anybody wants that's a dance company, I'm bas- I worked freelance as a performer, so I was with, working with small-scale mm. dance organisers. you're not a dancer. Basically, I can't work. I, I'm not... I haven't got... I haven't got... The, um, you mean if you went for a job desire- with a dance group, yeah. as a dancer, you that's wouldn't right. get it. I won't get it because I haven't got the desirable qualities. And also the other edge is I don't want I don't want to work for other people, mm-hmm. as in in that context, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I've got kind of hankerings of, yeah, <laughs> doing doing but something with performance again. As an individual, uh, doing a one-person show or in a group or what? Yeah, possibly, yeah, in a group. And and do you think you'll get that opportunity within Blue-Eyed Soul or it'll have to be after you've finished with them? Uh, in the long term, obviously. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've never I've never kind of mentioned it. I've, it's just something I've been thinking about recently. I've mm-hmm. never talked to Blue-Eyed Soul about that, but I'm sure they'll be very open for me to talk to them about it. And, and, and so you want to be a... Is that, are you saying you want to be a choreographer that's involved in the piece or what? Yeah... Well, I, who choreographers most of the Blue Eyed Soul stuff? We do the company. We do, yeah, which is Rachel, Rachel and Sally. Well, it depends who's working on the project and what the nature mm-hmm. of the project is. So, what is it yeah. that you're not doing now that you want to do? I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, explain that to me. Um, in the long term. Yeah, in the long term, I want to be doing more dancing for myself. Mm-hmm. In whatever form that takes, mm-hmm. that what? could that could be working with other people or mm-hmm. doing the solo thing. Um, yeah, that's the bit that's missing at the moment, mm-hmm. and I feel that I thought I didn't want that, but actually, I'm now starting to think that I do want that mm-hmm. in some shape or form, however that manifests itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd really like to do some more study, but way way on. I'd like to think that I can go back to studying, still within dance, but. You're not competing with your sister, I hope. No, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I really am interested in practice and a Mm practical-based PhD Mm -hmm. is quite appealing to me. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to write anything. (laughs) Well, we'll leave the feminist MA in the back. Yeah, that's gone. (laughs) That's been. That has been. 
So yeah. So then, in the long term, what 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 are your your long term aspirations? What where do you want to be in ten years, and what do you want to be doing? What do you want to be achieving for yourself? Yeah, I would like to. There's certain practitioners that working in dance out there that kind of really do inspire me. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me their names. So kind of this. There's people like Jill Clark and... Mm-hmm. Obviously, and these names mean nothing. Nothing to you. And kind of, yeah, Nigel Charnock. There's an incredible guy called David Zambrano that works with a dance technique called Flying Low. What's his name? David Zambrano. And, and are these disability or non-disability? Non-disability. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really interested in how they look at kind of embodying movement mm-hmm. and actually kind of really embodying movement as an expressive form. So what do you think you lack at the moment that would inhibit you being able to do that, work with these people? Or do you feel you don't lack anything? Um, do, you, do you understand the question? Yeah, I was thinking about it. <laughs> That's fine. I kind of feel like I could work with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how would you improve their work? <laughs> how, would, how would I improve their work? I like big egos on this show. Yeah, so you do, don't you? And I'm really struggling with this, can you tell? Um, how would I improve their work? Oh, that's, a really, that's quite a tricky question. Cause they... Well, let me just ask you about these people's work. What is it about their work that you like? Yeah, OK. So with Jill Clark, it's about she takes quite metho- methodical inside outside approach to dance Mm -hmm. so it's not just about this external thing about limbs and shapes and forms Mm -hmm. it's actually about sensing feeling observing experiencing Mm -hmm. um, and it's quite a methodical process Mm -hmm. and really she's a champion for the older dancer Mm -hmm. because you know she's so so what would you bring to that 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 she doesn't have which I'm sure you are quite capable of doing. And she's got everything. Oh my God. There's nothing I could take to her that she, she she hasn't got really. I don't think. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I kind of feel I relate to her because I understand what she's doing, mm-hmm. and I feel that her considered is considered approach is something that I can relate to, and kind of understand. And you said the and my own body has affinity with that as well. Now, I don't want to do jetés and pirouettes and dance around. I want to understand it on a deeper level, and I feel like her practice. I have an affinity with that. And where does she work then? She's based in London, but she works all over. She works everywhere. And you said the older dancer. Do you consider yourself to be an older dancer? Do you know? Yeah, it's beginning to happen. Definitely. So how old are you? I am thirty-six. Thirty-six. Yeah write that down <laughs> for future <laughs> reference so yeah it's it's a sad state of affairs but actually it's interesting how you're referred to as you get beyond 25 in dance mm-hmm. and uh, it's something that i think should disappear off the planet the ageism connected with it how can it that's the whole point of uh, dance isn't it that the perfect ideal body it, it, yeah it's, it's, how can you Get rid of that when, in, in a way, that's, what is, that's the point of dance, is to create that illusion, that a myth of a kind of eternal youth. I'm not, interested, I'm not interested in that. But is that what these people break away from? Yeah, totally. I'm not interested in that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of... 
let's represent experience on stage. Let's let's see what what somebody of seventy can bring to the performance arena that other people can't. And has has your work with disabled people enhanced your understanding and ability to deliver that? What, yeah. What effect have disabled people had on your sense of yourself and your work and your abilities to deliver that kind of liberation? Yeah. Well, I think philosophy, um, the Liggett thing. The Liggett, the Liggett, the Liggett book that I'm going to write Absolutely. the minute I leave here. Um, well, I think it's about working with extraordinary people mm-hmm. on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and I think that's um, kind of has a profound effect on you. Because mm-hmm. kind of working in the different places that I've worked in at Beaumont College in Lancaster, there's something about working with extraordinary people every day that is kind of incredible, and you start looking at the possibilities. Mm-hmm. So can everybody dance? Yes, of course they can. But what's a dance? <laughs> what my, is a dance? My argument would be why bother, but that's neither. <laughs> yeah, I know that. But why bother, exactly? <laughs> Do you think everybody should dance? No, not if you don't want to. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> but not even that that could be a liberating experience for many people in many ways. Everybody, in fact. Yeah, I am a champion of dance, definitely. A champion the Liggett, of dance. The Liggett champion of dance book manual. Um, yeah, it can be a liberating experience. But, you know, people have had pretty tough experiences with dance that they mm. haven't enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Grow like a tree. And it can be a very exposing activity. Yeah, but that's bad choreographers and bad trainers, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But it, people have had bad experiences. Mm-hmm. Right, we'll stop there a minute and we'll play your next song, which is Common People. Uh, this is your championing of the working class again, is it? Possibly. <laughs> what does common people mean to you? It says it in the song, <laughs> but it's quite detrimental. <laughs> so, so no, so, what is common people? Come on, no, do what's you common? Have an, do you have an, well, this is the question for after. We won't talk about it now, but do you have an ambiguous uh, sense of, of the working class, both in relationship to your relationship to them in the past, the present and future? Don't answer. Let's play the record. Well, we're going to continue the chat with uh, Rachel Liggett. Uh, we're going to talk to her about her forthcoming book. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh yeah, the book I've suddenly decided I'm going to write. <laughs> well, I think you should. Uh, we also generally like to offer free tickets for When Blue-Eyed Soul Come. So hopefully when they're appearing at the arena... In March or February, whenever it is, you will be actually able to see the lovely Rachel Liggett in person. <laughs> so, uh, what were we talking about? I've, I've written eradicated on, on my yeah, bit of paper. Yeah, but can I give you your present? Oh, go on then. Um, well, today's a special day. For whom? For you. No! <laughs> for the world at large. You know what today is, don't you? Uh, Halloween? Yeah, and I, so I've bought you Three presents? Three presents. I am honoured indeed. I have bought you some spooky eyeballs made out of chocolate. That's fantastic. Just reaching over there. Oh, Are you happy? Yep, it's a little bag of, what, there must be 10, 12, 15... Eyeballs. Eyeballs in there. Yeah, but wait. And I bought you... Sorry, I went away from the mic there. That's right, it's 100 grams of eyeballs. Some gruesome ghosts. I want you to share these with your family. This could change the lives of 10 blind people, you know that, don't you? <laughs> 
<laughs> Why don't you start giving them out free if, they, if somebody emails in? It's chocolate. I eat chocolate. Anyone yeah, brings okay. in chocolate. Right, I'm, and the last... The, those are ghosts. Ghosts. Chocolate ghosts. And the last thing, which I think I want you to wear and see how they <laughs> affect your button pressing at this My stage. My button pressing. Some new fingers <laughs> with um, nail varnish, red nail varnish on. Uh, it would be so difficult to distinguish from my actual fingers <laughs> with all the nail varnish that Do I wear. Do you like those? Uh, they're a bit camp, really, aren't they? Yeah, that's the idea. But <laughs> then I am. <laughs> then I am. I, I'm, what is this for? Are you touched? Is this for an amputee? That's what you're saying, really, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I'm giving yeah. it to the wrong person. Oh, oh no. Me. Can I have them back? I need to find an amputee I, I immediately. Been an amputee. Well, I, I'd like to thank you very much for that. It's okay. I was going to bring you a packet of Pringles, but I think you ate too many the other night. <laughs> and we don't want you to be overdosed on them. As you can see, my diet is going well. <laughs> oh, oh, I've given it away that you were eating Pringles. <laughs> Oh, I'll eat anything, except anything that's green. <laughs> so we were talking about your future. Oh, yeah, my future. No, no, we weren't. We were talking about your ambiguous relationship with the working class, with common people. That's yes, what we I were. wanted to explore. You chose that song and then you said, you know, it's about the working class, but equally you said it's quite a negative thing about the working class. Well, I won't say negative, What but... would you say? <laughs> I actually think it's a very proud song about it. It's basically... And it has a... It's about attraction, isn't it? It's Mm -hmm. about, okay, you can have two extremes. Mm -hmm. And who gives a damn? So do you consider yourself to be that? Two extremes? No, a common person. (laughs) Um, No, but I like to think that I've got grounded values. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. I just made that up because I'm on the radio. (laughs) So I won't put that in the book. Well, I don't believe that for a second. Anyone yeah. who uses the phrase grounded values uh, has seriously thought about that. Do you think? Absolutely. I just totally made that up. So I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> right, OK. I've, you know, I kind of like to have my feet on the, the ground. and. Mm. Well, you lucky people who can walk. You can, you've got the benefit of having Yeah, that that's one. true. <laughs> I haven't offended you, have I? Oh, no! <laughs> Help! Um, yeah. I like to think that I can talk to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got here another question. Uh, it's about your hobbies and why hobbies send you into a cold sweat. Why is that? So do you have a hobby? Do you know what? This is really interesting because this whole interview mm. has just been one big journey and it's all coming round to the same thing again and again and it's telling me something. It oh, really is. It really is. Because this again has come round to Joe, my sister. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't know if you've got inside information, but this is quite um, quite worrying. Because when I was a kid, I was really, really bad at hobbies. I was the worst brownie imaginable. But your sister had hobbies. I'm telling you. What were her hobbies? Endless. Tell me. What were Calligraphy. They? Calligraphy. Stamp collecting. I collected stamps. Actually, I was all right. I was all right at that. Calligraphy. Um, she was a really good brownie. She was a really good guide. She was into astrology. She drew... She she was really really good at hobbies and um, I I kind of I was a terrible brownie I hate camping um, guides just didn't do it for me I'm trying to think of the other hobbies and guides or guys guy oh, oh I th- guys I, I, I thought we were having a revelation there <laughs> guys I feel I haven't done a proper show unless someone's come out as a lesbian on it I know but, you <laughs> but you're me, not going to do but that, we so. clarified the other night that I wasn't a no. lesbian remember dis- I was disappointed when you told me that, yeah so. you were, you were re- I could see it in your face Devastate. just change you'd have been, been three lesbians in a row on the show 
Really? I could have ticked that off as a little hat trick for myself. And you could have got a certificate or something for it. Um, From the Lesbian Society, in fact, for my promotion of the cause. Yeah. Uh, have you got lesbian friends due to you? <laughs> just, just because of how many lesbians you get on the show and the, the society and everything else that you're now involved in. Um, yeah, so hobbies. And uh, do you know what? I haven't got any. So why did you give up stamp collecting? I don't know. I just did. But you, what, do you still have them? Yeah, I do. And um, I thought I about collect, selling I them. I collect stamps. Honestly? I do. Are you being serious? I'm being deadly serious. Our organisation has just got a grant to do a disability stamp site. Can I can I give you my stamp book? I'd love you to give me. No, your stamp I'm being book. absolutely. I'm being serious. I'm really happy because <laughs> I thought no one would ever want it. And can I tell you one thing? I'm really proud of in the stamp book. You know they have example stamps from the countries at the top. And you've got them. I've got one of the stamps. that's one of the examples in the page. You understand this that now, don't you? That must have been a proud moment. For well, you. I, even now I open it at that page and I just stare for hours, going, I can't believe this. <laughs> Thinking, my sister got brownie of the year. <laughs> i tell you what did it with the brownies. Can I just say this? I wanted can I have your sister's name and address so I can send her this programme? My sister is gorgeous. Where does really, she live, really by the beautiful. Way? She lives um, in a place called Broadbottom. And where's that? In um, Just outside Manchester. Can I tell you about, um, just briefly, really, really quickly, is that when I was trying to do my housekeeping badge with the brownies, this mm. is psychologically disturbing me for the rest of my life, I went to clean this woman's house, <laughs> clean it, and she said, OK, what do you do first, dust or hoover? Mm. And I still have cold sweats about that. Do you dust or hoover first? I'd say you dust because... No, you hoover first because it creates dust. And then you dust, but then you need to hoover again because you've created... Yeah, well, you need to do them both twice, really. But I'd say you hoover first, that creates dust, and then you move the dust, which would be less than the hoover. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that stuck with me. Well, I'd say if you come to my house, we go on the principle, never hoover at all. Anything. Good. Brilliant. And just have thick grime. Yeah, across I, across the place. Absolutely, because then it doesn't, doesn't yeah. go up and get in your nose. So, That's you know, it. It's the best way to live. <laughs> no, we put that to rights. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't got any hobbies. None at all. Well, my hobbies became my life. Because <laughs> my hobby was dancing. Mm. And then it became that. Uh, I read all the time. But now you're old and your body's failing. <laughs> <laughs> to use your words, <laughs> our hobby's going to start coming back into your life. Well, I do kind of yoga and I read all the time. And What do you read? Now, this is the other thing that I try to tell you that I've, I can't remember things. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the name of books. This is because of a history of blanking out the success of your sister. Again, this comes around to the same theme. It does. Oh, no. You just... It's so true. So many people have problems with their siblings, I tell you. It's, it's... But it's not... The this, this problem is not my sibling. It can't be. It's not. Um, yeah, so I can't remember things. So I can read a book. This is why it was really difficult in being, trying to be an academic when I wasn't mm -hmm. one. Because I'd re I'd read something and I've got the title of the book and everything and then I put it down and I've forgotten. Mm. So why do you read? Why bother? Oh, well, I'm in it. I'm in it. It's absolutely... And I can pick up anything. I, I just read it. Like, in the morning, I'll go down, I'll just pick up a, a So what kind of, of literature paper. do you like? Chick lit or, you know, the canons of English literature or American lit or... Yeah. Um, yeah, just novels. Just about any real people. Yeah. I hate, I hate um, crime and detective stuff. Mm, mm. I'm interested in kind of real-life characters <sighs> going back to the working classes and all that jazz again. Women or men? A mix, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
Is this a link with the lesbian? No. No, just checking. Yeah. No, just, you, just you want to come back to that? Was, yeah. don't, don't worry, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm intrigued about what, what you read. What was the last thing you can remember that you read? Um, I can't remember the name. <laughs> I can't or remember the author the or the story. Of the book. Uh, but it was about an island off Greece. Mm-hmm. And Sounds English to me. Yeah. Sounds I can't, like a load of rubbish. I can't remember anything about it, Did actually. you enjoy it? I did. I really, really enjoyed it. That's all that matters. Yeah, it was great. So are you a big cinema lover? I go to the cinema a lot, but then it gets really hard for me to remember mm. what I've seen. Mm. But I thought you might ask what my favourite film is. Okay, so what's your favourite so film? So I couldn't think of any. Mm. So you've made up one. Yeah, I made but, up one, but I did really enjoy The Straight Story. The Straight Story. David Lynch. Yeah, which I've now renamed quite often to other people as the lawnmower man. The lawnmower. And they go, do you mean the straight story? <laughs> and then I they kind of get it, yeah. And are you an admirer of David Lynch generally? Because that was quite a conventional film for David Lynch. It was, very it? conventional. What's mm. what's the one he did before, uh, recently? He did that Mulholland Falls and he also did that one. Drive. Where, yeah, where they're all videoing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Jeremy you didn't Irons. enjoy that? No, no, not at all. Why? Because it didn't make sense. Well, I was just—I just, was sitting there just, and I was just grateful that I wasn't in a theatre watching dance personally. Yeah, so, of course. So you've, already, you've already told me how you hate so, dance. You don't have to go there again. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah, no, it, it was just—he he rambles a bit. I think he's—he's he's, he's just lost his way a bit. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind quirky and a bit original. Because he's got a new and, film out, hasn't he? He has. Yes. I don't know what it's called. Do you? Yes. Uh, no, I probably won't. Because you won't be going to see it, will you? I almost definitely won't be going to see it. Okay. Good. So, what's it like living in Shrewsbury? Really, really, really like it. It's a bit hilly, though, isn't it? Not really. No? There, there, there are hills. Mm. I obviously haven't been up them yet. And do you live in Shrewsbury? I do. In the city? With Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the huge, big urban mm-hmm. spread of and so, Shrewsbury. And so what does Mark do? Mark works at Shrewsbury College. Does he? He's probably listening to this now in the office. Doing what? He works, oh dear, uh, in games, game design and game technology. Computer games? Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he did sculpture mm-hmm. originally and then he did creative technologies, mm-hmm. masters, and yeah, <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> hello, hello, Mark. So let, let's come back to to who who Rachel Liggett is. What, 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 what are your core beliefs? Because we've only got five minutes left. And I just want to try and capture the essence of who you are and why you do what you do. What do you want to change? What do I want to change? I'm not sure. I'd like to... I'd like to... God, this is going to sound really cheesy, but I'd like to in some way impact however small on people feeling that they can be themselves somehow there's something about yeah i don't know what i mean by that Uh, well do you mean that you want to be to leave a legacy on individual lives that improves their sense of who they are yeah yeah. themselves yeah i think so yeah um yeah, and I'm a pretty good person. Mm. Yeah, mm. I know I'm a good person, and that's good. Have you ever doubted that you're a good person? 
Probably, mm-hmm. yeah, but... Um, but then you're from Kidderminster. Yeah, Bewdley, Bewdley, get Beardley. it right. Bewdley. There is competition between Kidderminster, Starport and Bewdley, you know, so Starport. you have to be very careful. Right, take your word um, Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm a really good friend to have. I've got a lot of... I feel like I'm a good friend to people. Mm-hmm. I've got a few friends, but they're, it's, um, it's solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so where, where else would you like to live? Really toy when when we were in Leeds, we're thinking, okay, where where would we live? Mm-hmm. Where would we want to be? Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, Shrewsbury was top of that list, but after Shrewsbury, what was second or third? Oh, broad, probably. Yeah, probably. Can you speak a language? No, member. I can't. Oh do yes. It. Yeah, yeah. Your sister can though, I bet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, what country would you like to live in then? Oh, I'm not sure. Um... I've travelled a bit, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed Asia, but I won't want to live there. Mm. Travelled a lot to around America, Canada, but yeah, not sure mm. what to think about that. But a spell abroad is quite attractive. It's quite an attractive idea. It is, definitely. <clears throat> so tell me then... Uh, Given that you know you're with Blue Eyed Soul, what's the next project? You know, let's plug Blue Eyed Soul yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, let's plug. What are, plug what, the are, what are you doing next? And you've got about ninety seconds. Okay, the next project we're doing is a large scale participatory project, and we're working with several groups in Wolverhampton, mm-hmm. and we've got three shows at the arena. Mm-hmm. So we're working with a uh, digital artist, visual artist, sound designer to put that show together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're working with Tent Hall Wood, King's School, Youth Club here. We're working with students from the Beacon Centre. Um, yeah. Um, what are you going to do in that? Right, I am going to create a series of eight-minute segment, segments that are going to be put together to create the show. Uh, dance pieces? Yeah, yeah, and it is going to be a dance piece, and it's called Trace. And will you be in those dance pieces? no. No. <laughs> no. Why not? Yeah, because um, it's about the people that we're working with. It's about. It's not about me performing. Mm-hmm. It's about working with different community groups and schools groups to for them to... So I, I will be facilitating them and we will be creating the work together. And so the whole piece is about them dancing? Yeah, or yeah. Or will, will any of the other people of Blue Eyed Soul be dancing with them? No, we it, won't be dancing with them. It's solely them? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward. Do you know when that's going to be at the arena? It's going to be half term, February half term. I can't re- quite remember the dates, but it'll be on the Friday and the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, three shows. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. And I'll see you next week. Yeah. Outside Centre with Dr. Dark. WCRFM. The voice of Wolverhampton on 101.8. This is WCR-FM.